Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hello everybody, diving into the NBA today with Indiana Pacers forward Al Jefferson and host of the X and O's podcast, Dennis Syatt. Welcome one, welcome all. I sound like a bus conductor, don't I? Thanks for joining me on the US Sports Podcast, where each week I take you inside the minds of the players, coaches, journalists, and fans of the major sports leagues across America. Later, I play a game of how well do you know yourself with Indiana Pacers big man, Al Jefferson. And before him, NBA nerd alert from Belgium, Dennis Syatt, who works for the television station Play Sports and hosts his own NBA podcast, X and O's, will be chatting with me. Shameless plug, I was a guest on his show last week. Lots of topics to get into today. You can message me on Twitter at Max underscore Whittle, two T's and one L. The headlines, Kevin Durant continues to crush his former team, the Oklahoma City Thunder. 130 to 114 was the victory for the Warriors. 34 points for KD. Yusuf Nurkic is off to Portland along with a 2017 first round pick and going the other way to Denver are the services of Mason Plumley. Keep your eye on the Plumleys and a 2018 second rounder. The NBA trade deadline, by the way, is February the 23rd. Carson Palmer is coming back for another season in Arizona. Two days after their fifth Super Bowl championship, the Patriots filed to trademark the phrase Blitz for Six. Expect Bill Belichick to be wearing a hoodie with that slogan on it next season. It seems everyone in that building has the work ethic of Tom Brady. Enjoy the Super Bowl. You just won it for a fifth time. Jack Del Rio has been given a four-year contract extension by the Oakland Raiders. Pitchers and catchers are reporting for spring training with the first exhibition games set to start on February the 25th. I am excited and so is Derek Jeter because he's set to have his first child. And ladies and gentlemen, the biggest news of all, the NHL is ongoing. Okay, let's get into my first guest diving into the NBA with Antwerp's finest, if, of course, you discount their beer, host of the Exonos podcast, NBA Headcase, and Michael Jordan apologist. It's Dennis Syatt joins me on the phone. How are you, sir? Hi, Max. Nice to hear you. What an intro, man. What an intro. Uh, and Antwerp's finest is the beer. Uh, it's called Bollock of the Koning. You have to try it. It's, uh, it's the best Antwerp has to give. I have not been to Belgium yet. Should I be ashamed? Yes, you should be. I've been to England lots of times. You're practically out of the EU, so you have to be quick. <laughs> but, uh, no, no. Come to Belgium. It's, it's a little country. You can visit uh, Antwerp and Brussels in, in, what is it, three, four days. Um, lovely, lovely country, uh, and especially Antwerp. Yeah, that's my city, so I'm biased, but love my city. When Brexit kicks in, are you still going to come to the UK, or are you too ashamed of us? <laughs> no, I, w- I will still be coming. You know, we've got a lot of football players in the in England, so I have to come. I have to come talk to Lukaku or Dembélé or who else, some other Red Devil. But um, yeah, we can't leave our boys just hanging over there, right? <laughs> well, let's see what we do with them first. They might, they might not be here. Um, <laughs> if, they're, if they're allowed to stay. <laughs> so, NBA, of course. Um, KD returned to Oklahoma the other night. His first game in Oklahoma, eight seasons with the Thunder and a year with the Seattle before that. There was a lot of booing. Um, the Oklahoma Tannoy suggested that they should please welcome back to Oklahoma City Kevin Durant, as they do with all their former players. His mum was there. 
They had a little bit of a spat, him and Westbrook, and he went close with Andre Robertson at one point. What did you make of it, first of all? And I suppose what I want to ask you, first of all, is what were you expecting the reaction to be? I was actually expecting it to be worse. Uh, if you remember LeBron's first homecoming when he joined the Heat in uh, what was it, 2011, uh, when he came back to Cleveland, that was uh, of a whole other level, according to me. I saw both games. Uh, I saw the game uh, Saturday night. There were some boosts, but yeah, that's normal, right? That's sports fans. Sports fans, they don't use their minds like they have to. Because I thought Steve Kerr said it perfectly between the first and the, and, and the second quarter in the, the interview. He said, boo the player, cheer the man. Everything Kevin Durant has done for the city of Oklahoma City yeah, they cannot be forgotten. And I think in three to four years, the fans will have a whole other approach. But this, this time, I thought it, it wasn't that bad, actually. What did you think? It started... It started pretty bad. Uh, I, I, I kind of expected the, the fans to give him a cheer and a nice welcome back at the start and then boo him throughout. And there was, a, there was dotted fans around the court and the arena that still mm. loved Durant. And they see him as, you know, he was the founding father of the, this franchise. Without him, he planted so many things in that city. He did a lot in the community. He still donates to charities there for homeless children. And I think they just were disrespected by his choice. And if it's yeah, a- but it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't a choice against Oklahoma City. It was a choice for a different lifestyle. It wanted to try something else. Like you said, he's been there since he was 19 years old. So he grew up in Oklahoma City, and he put the city on the sports map, on the pro sports map. That's what he did for, for the Thunder. So they can't blame him for trying something else. I, I understand it hurts, but they've got to be a little bit reasonable. Uh, for example, you can make the same argument. Uh, where were all those people who were booing when they received – they got a franchise for free and all the amazing fans of Seattle were left without one. That's, you, you, can, you, can, you, can talk, you can talk yourself into any, any narrative if you want to uh, that can hurt somebody. But you've you got to see the bigger picture, of course. I understand it right now. But well, like I said, it's been so important to, to the city. He's done so much for, for the community. He's still doing so much for the community over there. Um, and I think people ignore that too much uh, because it's only sports, right? Well, he, I think the problem is here, and I, I completely go with Durant. I think Durant is likeable. I think Westbrook is not likeable. I think he's very hard to play with, hard to deal with. And last night proved, to me at least, and I think to a lot of people, that this is why Durant left. Because Westbrook is left with a team he knows he can't win with. He can put up historical numbers as he is doing, and he will not win. Durant is playing the style of basketball he wants. He's sharing the ball. His minutes are down. He's more efficient. He doesn't have to touch the ball to be effective. And at the same time, he knew when he made this decision that Westbrook is just too difficult to play with. And the problem the fans have in Oklahoma, though, is that he said at certain points things that you know, they remind him of. Like he want, he'd want to be one of those players that stayed with one team. He mentioned the tower in Oklahoma. I do not know the name of it, but he said it's a sign of where they were and where they've gone to. And he had a special relationship with the city. And I think fans still remember what he said and they expected him to stay. And what he tweeted, of course. I remember that one tweet he uh, sent out approximately a month after LeBron joined uh, the Miami Heat. He uh, tweeted out something, I don't understand everybody uh, teaming up. Uh, you want to compete against the best. He was referring to the Heat and the Lakers back then. Um, he said in Bill Simmons' podcast last week that he was actually referring to Penny Hardaway in a fake article, so that the tweet just was a little bit of rubbish. But he did tweet it out, and he did seem to think that super teams were not done, that you had to do it the old school way, even though the old school way was also a super team way, but just 
they didn't go to the super teams. That was another way they, uh, the teams were built. But uh, like you said, you saw it Saturday night, right? If you saw Durant play, um, the contrast between OKC and Golden State could have been bigger. Uh, you, you saw it after six minutes, minutes, I think. And if you compare the Durant you have now to the Durant of the past five years, it's a whole other player, right? He, now he gets the opportunity to show how versatile he is as a basketball player. And he didn't have that chance in Oklahoma City, according to me. You mentioned the quotes that uh, what Steve Kerr said, um, interesting, and, and his mum, Wanda, was behind the Warriors bench. And, and this is the kind of the stuff that you don't want to see. Fans coming up to her and saying that her son's a snake, a sellout. Um, she still goes to some games because she's still in the area. And people have people don't know how to approach. They don't know what to say to her. And this kind of came out in, in furore here. I was also fascinated that we talked about the stories of KD opening the restaurant, which is a couple of miles mm. or less than a mile from the arena where he had shares in a restaurant. And now it was you know, surrounded with KD merchandise. All the TV screens had YouTube clips of him playing down the years. Now, absolutely nothing. I think the only two Thunder players in there are Westbrook and Adams. And the rest is just legends of Oklahoma. He had this link with the city, had this relationship, and players used to go and eat there. And there's there's memories, and I, I don't think we can ever forget that he was a very big part of this franchise. But there are certain points last night. The cupcakes, I get it. It's funny. Booing's fine. <laughs> yeah. But the mum, just saying things to his mum, I think, slightly out of order. Yeah, it was. It was totally unnecessary, right? It's, it's not her fault. Her son chooses something, and it's still a, it's still a boy. It's still her, her son, and you got to respect that. I, I thought the cupcakes were funny, too. I especially uh, loved it uh, when you saw Steph and uh, Draymond Green wearing uh, the cupcake shirts after the game. I thought that was hilarious. Uh, funny as well, before we get into the actual game, which is more important, um, after the game, they went to the same steakhouse that Durant wanted to hire out <laughs> the entire restaurant, and the owner said no. And last year, in the Western Conference Finals, when KD was still on the, the Thunder, the Warriors tried to rent it out and, and the owner said no and he went and told Durant that, they, that he didn't let them do it and Durant laughed. All the same thing happened to him this time and in the end, both Durant and Westbrook were eating in the same restaurant just in different parts of the restaurant. So They, ha- they totally funny. ignored each other. Yeah. How is this going to go down, Dennis, in the, in the All-Star game? I, I, I really don't know. I, I, I'm pretty sure Steve Kerr will put the four Warriors and Russell Westbrook on the court at the same time, I'm, I'm pretty sure he will do that. I, ho- I hope to see that, actually. But don't you think Westbrook will be the bigger man uh, than in his mind, of course? Uh, and he will think to himself, this is for the fans. Um, we can't stay mad at each other forever. So he might pretend, but I don't think he'll see some hostile things on the court. Do you? Well, Westbrook is the agreed party, right? Durant made his choice. Westbrook has to be the one to let this go. I don't think, and I saw it last night, Durant doesn't want this to go on. There was a moment they had, and I know I saw it, they both argued together, they came together. I'm, I'm sure that Durant wants to just forget about this now. Westbrook is the one who has to accept what happened and, and just say, look, let's, let's sort this out. He doesn't like Durant because he only te- gave him a text message when he left. And if I'm Steve Kerr, who's coaching this all-star team, Doc Riffers made a point today to say that Kerr should treat him nicely because if Westbrook is his enemy and he can potentially beat the Warriors, be nice to him in the All-Star game. I think we're going to see a similar scenario when Isaiah Thomas reportedly ignored Michael Jordan in the All-Star game. I don't think Westbrook's going to pass to Durant. No, I don't think so, no, I don't think so too. I, I, th- I think it'll, it'll be okay because 
Steve Kerr is the coach. And Steve Kerr is a really funny guy. He's a really good guy. Everybody loves Steve Kerr in the NBA. Um, even the opposing players, they love his approach. They love him from his playing days, from his uh, days as a broadcaster. And I think he will just get it all done, get it all smoothed out by the way he is. And I think that will put everybody at ease, actually. You see players actually get together and have a bit of fun in these in these weeks. And I, there might be a chance now for, for them to sort it out. Draymond Green could come in between them and have a bit of fun, say some jokes. In the game itself, Westbrook had a huge game. 47 points, 11 rebounds, 8 assists. Durant led the mm-hmm. Warriors with 34. I you're, found forgetting it... the, you're forgetting the most stat from Westbrook, man. Oh, the turnovers. 47, 11, 8, and 11. Yep. 11 turnovers. <laughs> Another reason why Durant left him. Yeah, Interesting when Steve Kerr do, put him do you on know Ross. How, do, you know how much, do you know how much turnovers Golden State had as a team? I'm going to guess less. 11. Wow. The same amount of turnovers as Westbrook on his own. That, that says it all. Yeah, amazing numbers. 47, 11, and 8. Hey, I would sign up for that every day. But the 11 turnovers, even when your, your workload is so much, so hard, that's too much. But the way you're doing it, the way you're generating it, Westbrook is never going to be the second guard, the second pass, the penultimate pass to an assist. He charges down yeah. the lane and dumps the ball off or swings it out. There's no totality in terms of movement with the Thunder. I found it really fascinating when Steve Kerr put Durant on Westbrook in the third quarter um, just, to, just to understand that Westbrook would go at Durant. What did you make of that? Yeah, a very smart move by, by Steve Kerr. And, and, and actually, what I make of that too is how much Kevin Durant has improved as a defender. We saw it in the, in the playoffs last year, especially in the, in the Golden State series. Uh, even though OKC lost, you saw Kevin Durant emerging as a better defensive player. He's not a Kawhi Manners. He's not a Draymond Green, of course. But with his length, his, um, his, big, his long arms, everything, his wingspan, everything he can do, he's got really quick feet for a big guy. He, he's seven foot. We, we can't forget his, he's a seven-footer, even though he looks a little bit, little bit smaller. He's seven-foot, and he can defend Westbrook. He can't stop him, but he can be a man against Westbrook. And, of course, yeah, they got in Westbrook's head. And Kerr is so smart to be doing that. And you know Westbrook will eventually break down. He will eventually make the wrong decision. He did it, he did it, he did it, nice. he did it nicely a couple of times. The first time... He played a pick and roll with uh, Stephen Adams, and he, he gave a little bounce pass to Adams while he also could have gone for the three-pointers. So that was positive by Westbrook, but you know there's going to be a time he's going to snap. You know that every time. Another Bill Simmons podcast plug, the episode before Durant with Steve Kerr, and Steve Kerr did mm-hmm. say that one of Durant's... He, he understands Durant that he sometimes takes plays off on defense, but he has the potential to be a very good defender. He's had spurts where he's been very good. And this Warriors defense has been very good since Mark Jackson was the coach. And, and they believe thoroughly in that camp now that they have the best one they've ever had. And, you know, going back to the summer when Durant joined and they lost Barnes, they lost Bogut, and they said that the length was gone, the defense was not going to be as good, they were so easy to score against in the, in the paint. Well, that hasn't been the case when you add a seven-foot all-can-do-everything with Draymond Green and JaVale McGree as well. You have got a a solid lineup and it's so long it's so athletic and it's working in tune and you've got to mention Ron Adams too he's uh, the defensive coach the defensive coordinator he uh, expanded the work Mark Jackson did with his uh, staff uh, in Golden State before Steve Kerr came there and and he made it so much better every time he adapts to the personnel they get and they've got a great defender in Draymond Green um, him and Kawhi if they stay healthy they're going to be number numbers one and two for a long time to come. 
Um, but also, like you said, Jafel McGee, I was really surprised again by his play in offense and defense. He's such a great addition for this team. He gives them an alley-oop option, and that sounds really basic, but the amount of times he'll give you that is... Uh, me and you were, or so I say you and I, to use the correct English, wrote our names on the list of we have to go and see this team, we have to go and cover this team last year. What was the most impressive thing you saw when you were in Warriors camp? The confidence. You just feel it. You feel um, the confidence just oozing in that team. Everybody knows what their teammates can do. They, got, they trust the, the coaching staff. They trust their way of playing, even when they have too much turnovers. That sometimes happens too with Golden State, especially in the first uh, year that was a problem. But they don't matter. They, they know they can win every game, and they know where they have to, what they have to uh, rely on to, to win a game. And I, I thought you felt that in the game itself, but you also felt, felt it in the locker room. There was a, a certain kind of vibe, and I've been in some locker rooms, even, even in the finals, uh, I've been in the locker room of the Heat and the Spurs. And that was the first time I felt that kind of confidence. And that's what sets, what sets the great team apart. The whole city as well. They, there was so much energy for the team last year, chasing the 73 wins. Uh, anyway, enough of the Warriors loving. We have to talk about something a bit negative because that's how we do it on this podcast. And that's the Knicks. That's how they do it. There's nothing on the court. Well, they beat the Spurs last night, actually, and I watched yeah, that game. I, and that, Wow. I, I did that game. I was uh, broadcasting, uh, commentating that game. Um, what a drag of a game that was. It was really an afternoon game, especially the first half. Um, and yeah, the Knicks won, but the Spurs missed two thirds of their shots. So you can't win a game where you miss 66% of your shots. Um, and they were close, uh, all thanks to Kawhi Leonard, who played a terrific game. But yeah, Tony Parker, he had a, a sting bomb of a game, yeah. zero points, four assists. Manu Ginobili was nowhere to be seen. Um, no Jonathan Simmons wasn't playing. Pau Gasol was injured. Lamarcus Aldridge was so so. Yeah, if that's all you got, you can't win. Even against the New York Knicks. I'll tell you what, though, on the Spurs quickly, the way they draft, I mean, Davis Patanz, DeJounte Murray, and then the improvement of David Lee and especially Dwayne Dedman. I saw Dedman play in Orlando last year, and this guy looked like he was going to be out of the league. And suddenly he is playing hard, defend, defending. He's got a mini post <laughs> game now. Povich has actually coached him up, and he looks all in. And that's what happens when you play in San Antonio. It kind of proved that... No one uh, can play in Orlando, but anyone can play in San Antonio. <laughs> hey, like you said, Bob coached him up. Um, it's the same thing uh, as the MVP conversation. You can give the MVP award to LeBron, LeBron every year. You can give the Coach of the Year award to Pop every year. Agreed. Uh, back to the Knicks and the incident with Charles Oakley last week on Wednesday. If for those who don't know, Charles Oakley, 10 years with the Knicks, uh, finished that in 1998. He was a defensive specialist. He was on those teams with Patrick Ewing. And there was a, look, we all know what happened now. Security escorted him from the seat against the Clippers. He was close to owner James Dolan, who we're going to get onto in a minute. And there's obviously storylines from last night's game with the Spurs on Dolan. He's had issues with Oakley and NYPD arrested Oakley, charged him with three counts of assault and criminal trespassing. What got me here, Dennis, was... Dolan goes on to Michael K radio show and accuses Oak Oakley of having a drink problem. I know what. Yeah, it was exactly what I uh, what I was thinking about that too. Uh, you don't really know what happened, right? There are a lot of stories we can speculate. Uh, so witnesses say one thing, other witnesses says witnesses say other things. Um, Oakley says this, the Nixon James Dolan say another thing, but 
he handled it completely wrong in the aftermath. You, 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 can't, you can't go on the radio uh, and just throw somebody under the bus like that, especially when he's a Knicks legend. Charles Oakley was a vital part of that 90s team um, who just bumped into Michael Jordan every time. Thank you, Mike. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> See, it's, Michael it's Jordan true, Mike. apologist. There you go. <laughs> uh, yes, you have to know. My, my father was a big New York Knicks uh, fan. So I was a Michael Jordan and Chicago Bulls fan. He was a New York Knicks fan. So during the whole 90s, we had some um, little fights about, <laughs> about that when they played each other. Uh, but back to, back to Dolan and what he's doing right now. Um, I think it's really dangerous when you insinuate that an ex-player of your team has a problem, needs to find help, and supposedly has a drinking problem. For me, that's overboard. And the Knicks, the statement they made, we hope he gets help soon. I mean, yeah. Oakley could go in for slander here. He could sue for defamation. And the other thing... He should. Yeah, he should. You, you, you were broadcasting the game last night against the Spurs. Tell me what mm. you said or what you thought when Latrell Sprewell, who is not a Knicks legend, who has had a big, long, bad history with James Dolan, was sat courtside with the owner. I laughed so Hard. First of all, you got to know Latrell Sprewell, also one of my father's favorite players. Just of because of the he fact, is. what he, what, yeah, he, he liked the bad boys. Um, and yeah, Latrell Sprewell, we all know what he did to his ex-coach PJ Carlismo when he tried to choke him <laughs> when he was uh, on the Warriors. Uh, <laughs> that actually says everything about Sprewell's career. Um, but yeah, two guys who don't like each other, who've, who've had problems in the past. Um, Dolan and Sprewell, more problems actually than Dolan and Oakley. So it was just so hypocritical of of James Dolan to do that. He just wanted to show the fans in Madison Square Garden, look, there's some bad boys, some legends, some, yeah, some, some ex-players who, who do love me and I can make amends, but yeah, it was Oakley's fault. That would, that's what he was saying in my eyes. Classic divide and conquer technique by the ownership of the Knicks, I think, to, to show Oakley out the door, to ban him from Madison Square Garden. And, and Sprewell, who had this unofficial lifetime ban, suddenly welcome back. You had Spike Lee courtside with a Oakley jersey on. You've had players like LeBron, Chris Paul come out and support Oakley. An absolute mess. And Adrian Wojnarowski of Yahoo had a great point on Twitter. He said, by trying to win the battle with a Knicks legend, Dolan's lost the war. Why would any free agent want to play in this toxic environment, Dennis? I'll ask you that. No, no, nobody wants to play in New York. It, it's still New York, but you know what the owner represents. You know what you're going to get. Um, and you know what happened to the ex-good players. Um, Mario was there. Okay, he wasn't that good, ex- except for the first year. Um, but look what happened to Carmelo Anthony. Um, it's not all James Dolan's fault, but we have to go back further, too. Um, the Isaiah Thomas signing, that was James Dolan's work. He meddled every time something happened to the team. He... He was one of the persons who decided to give Eddie Curry all that money. Eddie Curry. Um, that's not family of, of, the Stephen, of Stephen Curry or Seth Curry. Um, that, that's, that, that, he just made terrible decisions year after year after year. And he made the same mistakes. Normally, you've got to learn from your mistakes, right? But apparently, he doesn't. So I don't think any free agent would want to come to the Knicks right now. By the way, did you, did you hear what uh, Brian Windhorst said about uh, the upcoming Cavs-Knicks game? No, I didn't see that. Um, he said, yeah, you, you, we all saw and heard the, the support of LeBron James for Charles Oakley. Um, free Oak. Um, and yeah, everybody on the Cavs is pro-Oakley. So play, the Knicks are playing Cleveland in Quicken Loans Arena. 
don't you think LeBron James will give Charles Oakley a courtside seat right next to the Knicks bench? I think he'd pay for that, don't you? Fly him in yeah. there. <laughs> that would be so great. Oh, that would be so great to see. That would be an, act, that, an easy act of support. When you say it like that, it makes so much sense. James Dolan, by the way, you mentioned Isaiah Thomas, also gave Alan Houston six years and 100 million back in 2001. When, when, he, yeah, when he was already broken down. He's gone through so many different coaches, so many bad signings, and he always tries to interfere with management. He says he doesn't. He says he's not saying anything to Jackson and Steve Mills. He's staying back. Uh, he wants to prove to the fans that that's the case, but that's not true. He wanted Anthony to be re-signed in 2014, and he, wants, he didn't want Jackson to hire... I've forgotten his name now. Who's the, who's the assistant? Um... Kurt Rambis. Yes, Kurt Rambis. He didn't want him to sign Kurt Rambis up to, to the coach. He got Jeff Hornacek. He is, he is influencing decisions, and I can't believe that he isn't speaking to Phil Jackson. And another thing he said, which is stupid, is that he's not going to speak to Jackson about any of this. He's going to let Jackson run the basketball operations. That was what they agreed. Well, would you not think to step in with what Jackson is saying about Anthony every other day? I don't think he would make things better, actually. I think it would only make it worse. I think he wants Phil to say those kind of things because he trusts Phil. And I think his trust level in Carmelo Anthony is a little bit lower now after what happened the past couple of years. Yeah, yeah he wanted him to resign in 2014, but that's, that's three years ago. So I don't think he wants to... He just wants <laughs> Phil to do his job, to do everything he can do, according to him, of course. Um, and if he doesn't stick by Phil, he loses face right now. I don't think Jackson knows how Twitter works. He's got over a million followers. And <laughs> I, I, think, I honestly think he, he believes it's a private forum for him to just you know, go through his head, what he's thinking, and then it, no one sees it. You think, no, I think he knows quite well what he's doing. He's, <laughs> he's too small for that. I just think he doesn't give a damn. He, he just doesn't care. He just puts it on and... He doesn't care what people think of him. That's Phil Jackson. He's a Zen master. Um, he's fine with everything. From one Eastern team to the next, the Milwaukee Bucks. And oh. back in January, they were the fifth best team in the East. Now, they're seven games under 500. Let's go through a list of the teams, uh, the players on this team right now. Giannis Antetokounmpo, always struggle with that one. Malcolm Brogdon. You've got Chris Middleton, Jabari Parker, John Henson. Thon Maker, one of the best or the best under 25 cores in the league. And Jabari Parker has just torn his ACL in his left knee for the second time. He's only 21 years of age. And this is unprecedented. I think only two of the players in the league have ever done that. And 51 games this season. 20.1 points he, a game, six rebounds. He was so good. He was so good. How sad uh, is this? Back in 2014, when Bucks scouts and fans were watching and Tentacumpo and Parker together in summer league saying this is the making of a great team. Then they get Maker in, Middleton's returning, and then this happens. It's devastating, really devastating, awful news. It's one of those players I watch League Pass for. I, I, I love Jabari Parker's game. I, I've been following Jabari since he was in high school. Um, I've, got, I've got some of the, I've got a, a Sports Illustrated cover of Jabari uh, in Simeon High School uh, on my wall in my, uh, in my desk because he just got something eye-catching if you see him play. His fluidity on the floor, beautiful player. It's like a really elegant player, but combined with pure and raw power, right? Uh, that's what, 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 I, what I see when I watch him. 
And then you see what happened. It was an awful image uh, to see how he planted his, how he planted his leg. Uh, you knew something worse was going on than, than a knee bruise. That's what they first said, right? Or a sprain, a knee sprain. That was the first, uh, the first conclusion. Um, but I think this is devastating for his career, um, especially mentally, right? A non-contact as well. I mean, no. On the same knee. That's it. He's got another ACLT on the same knee. How can you recover from that mentally? You've got to be afraid when you go to the hoop every time because you can you can land on your on your on your left knee and have the same injury that 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 comes in your mind. And a man of very strong faith as well. His mum used when he was a child used to interview him instead of reading him bednight story bedtime stories interviewing him about uh, nike deals and how he would perform in the nba and it all came to fruition one year at duke and, and mike shusevsky said that one of parker's issues was that he didn't want other players to think he was so much better than them that was his that was his mindset almost that he was almost he was too nice and when he came yeah, he's back a, he's the, a mormon yeah he's, he's a, a mormon, mormon yeah. And, yeah and he was already doubting uh, after his year at duke to come to the NBA or to go on a mission, because when you're a Mormon, you have to go on a mission yeah. um, that's mandatory. He was really doubting what he, about what he had to do, and that's a mission of three years, I think. So that would have derailed his whole NBA career, his whole basketball career. That says enough about his, about his commitment. Um, and, but hey, he's, he's a real humble guy, really humble. I was in Milwaukee two years ago, and I saw him. He was injured back then, but he was with the team. Really nice guy. Uh, friendly to everybody, um, a little chat with everybody too, every journalist. So yeah, really good guy. I think the Bucks now, they're going to be aggressive, trying to move Car- um, Monroe, Greg Monroe, getting young you know, players or picks because their, their direction has changed, I think now. They, this is a, a 12-month process to return from. They're probably going to lock Parker, who was due an extension next summer. That's another d- disastrous thing for him. They're probably going to look to lock him into a discount uh, kind of like the Curry deal from a few years ago when mm-hmm. he was struggling with his ankles. But the Bucks have so much potential. And, and this team, uh, reading an article about Thon Maker today as well, they've got him on a 7,000-calorie diet regime, and he's been able to practice. They don't have a D-League team at the moment, so he hasn't been getting many minutes. But the last couple of games he's started, he's played minutes. And, and Parker said himself that he thinks Maker will be the best seven-footer in the league soon. So the fact Imagine that this happens, that. do you think they can rebound? Do you think they can play well without him and win? I don't think they can make the playoffs this year. I was already counting them out before the season began because of the Chris Middleton injury. He will be coming back soon, uh, sooner than expected. But without Jabari Parker, I don't think they, they will improve uh, from what they have right now. He's such a vital part of their game. Um, and the combination with uh, Yannick Antetokounmpo is so great to see. They, they, they had a, a trust in each other and they knew where, what they expected of the other player too. Um, and if you see that with, with, these, with, with those guys, Antetokounmpo, 22 years old, Jabari Parker, 21. If they have that click together, that's money. And now one of those two gets away, and no matter how great Giannis is, because I think he's, he's amazing. If you, if you saw his evolution, if you see his evolution of what he's been through, just an amazing player, beautiful to see too. Um, he can't carry that team alone, even though he's got enough talent around him. Filmmaker... But before talking about an impact, he can make. That's too soon. We were two years too soon to be talking about Thumbmaker, I think. He will be good, but he needs some time. Yeah, the Bucks, though, this scouting department, you know, the future's bright. They're moving into a new facility next season. They're going to have a new arena soon. Thumbmaker, four countries growing up, three different high schools. 
and then uh, and Tentacumpo, second division in the Greek league. Yeah. All these other GMs are saying that these two aren't these are these are dangerous picks. They took Maker, I think, at ten, and Tentacumpo high two. So, I mean, that leads me to my next question about Jason Kidd. What do you think of him as a coach, and are they keeping him? in light of the development of the young players and that they can push on when they've got everyone together again? Or are you seeing Kerr as a, a, a sort of ladder towards the, the coach that will eventually be there? No, I don't think so. I think they will go on with, uh, with Kidd. Um, what speaks in his advantage is the youth of the team, right? You don't have that uh, experienced player that can lead the team, that can lead the young players. That's his job. He's Actually, he's the veteran of the team. He's the coach and the veteran. So he does, the, he does both jobs. Um, look at what he did to Yanis. Uh, was it two seasons ago, seasons ago? He benched him for, uh, for some games. And Yanis, he was angry. He, did, he didn't get it. So he was thinking to himself, who is this guy? What the hell did he do to put me on the bench? So he looked it up and he saw what <laughs> Jason Kidd did. Uh, rookie of the year. Uh, NBA champion. Third all-time. Three points made, right? Um, top five in assists. Just one of the best point guards the NBA has ever seen. And he's got the vision. We knew that as a player. You see that in his, in his playing style. He adapts his style to his players. And he knows what young players need to do. They are just too young to be winning. That's all. Interesting. Interesting. It's trade season as well, Dennis. February the 23rd is the trade deadline. We've had some deals already. Um, Portland traded center Mason Plumley. Uh, to Denver. Difficult to keep up with all the Plumleys in the league. And a second round <laughs> pick to the Nuggets. The Nuggets sent back Yusuf Nurkic and a 2017 first rounder. So Portland now owns three first rounders for next year. And I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure GM Neil Oshley will want to reduce a bloated payroll. But I think Plumley was the first casualty, if you will, because they paid so much money to so many players last autumn. What do you make of this deal? I think it's a good trade for, for Portland. They got something good in Nurkic. They got somebody who can score. They get another big body. He's a skilled big man. Um, and, he, and what I like about Nurkic, actually, he's a big man with an edge. He has tons of confidence and he isn't afraid to talk some trash. And I love that in players, uh, especially when you come from Europe. Normally you have to ease into it. His first game, he was talking trash to everybody. So he doesn't back down for, uh, for anyone. And they get some inside scoring too. I think Nurkic can be a perfect fit for the Blazers and he can relieve some, you know, some of the pressure of Lillard, um, on Lillard and McCollum. And it's good for the payroll too, even though Plumlee was an expiring contract. So that doesn't matter that much because they were already, already losing him. But the, the draft pick is another great asset for Portland. But Denver, I don't get what they're doing. Why would they want to sign another big guy? All right, it's an expiring contract. That I get, but wouldn't you want something in return for Nurkic? I think they want a passer to go... First of all, on Nurkic, I would say that his his defensive... Lack of defensive ability is a problem because McCullum and Lillard aren't good defenders and that lane is usually wide open. So when Nurkic hey, is playing, perfectly. that's a problem. But the good thing for Portland is he's only owed 2.9 million next season. So if they had have gone with Plumley next year, they would have been way into the luxury tax. That's good. He's a talented offensive player. But it didn't mesh with Jokic. I think Denver are specifically now building around Jokic, their franchise player. And to bring in Plumlee, who is, again, another poor defender, but a good passer. And I think eventually they will test that partnership between Jokic and Plumlee on the court. But going forward, I think Plumlee, if they did keep him, would be a a solid bench guy and a backup to Jokic. I don't think they're going to keep him. I don't think so. 
Denver's got so much talent, though, right? Yeah. They've got some young guys. Um, still a little bit disappointed in um, Emmanuel Moutier. I thought he was going to be better than what we've seen so far. Um, but, okay, uh, that's what it is. Um, I like Harris. Will Barton, I like. Yeah, me They're going to trade Gallinari. I mean, that's the, the rumours going around now that they're listening to offers for Gallinari. Yeah, what, what can you get in return for Gallinari? You know the injury threat when you get Danilo. It's very true. And what else are you hearing? What else I'm hearing? Um, yeah, that the Lakers are testing Larry Sanders to get to the team, to uh, be a new big guy, a uh, new backup big guy. Um, the problem is Lakers have 15 players, so they would have to waive somebody. But Larry Sanders on the Lakers, um, yeah, don't know what to make of that, actually. I really don't. Well, you floated another Lakers story, didn't you, about Westbrook and yeah. Davis, which sounded a lot more interesting. Also Bleacher Report, yeah, they reported that at the end of the day, Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook will be teaming up for the purple and gold. That will be uh, a crazy fit. I think it will work because of the talents of Anthony Davis. His versatility. I, I just can't see it happening. There, LA is no longer a place where you can just throw any old player to now. It's not a free agent destination like it used to be. And, and if, if Westbrook leaves uh, Oklahoma, he has to make sure he, he makes up with Durant first because that would be the same thing that KD just did. Of course, that will be. And of course, it depends on whether the Lakers keep their pick this year or not because if it falls out of the top three, they yeah. lose it to Philadelphia. If, they, if it stays in the top three, top three they keep it. Um, and if they get a top two pick, that's all... Uh, Fultz or um, Ball, they're going to get one of those two. You have to get, get one of those two guards. Um, and if you can do that, if you get one of those two, Fultz or Balls, you can combine it with Clarkson and D'Angelo Russell. You can start playing that style Luke Walton wants to play and get some success, I think. Yeah, you could throw in Russell. I think the one player they don't want to give up is Randall. They, they don't want to give up or do. No, I don't think they want to give up Randall. I think they, if they could draft with Ball, I don't, I, obviously you ship Russell and you try and get in Davis with all those young guys. But Ru- Randall would be the one for me that has the biggest, up, uh, biggest ceiling on that team. Don't you think D'Angelo can play as, as a two? If you could ball as a one. He's not a, good shoot, he's not a good enough shooter. No, that's true. He's evolving, but it's not good enough. But well, we have to be patient I, with Walton's team, I think. I, I, there's, mm-hmm. There were so many expectations about what would happen and when they were 10-8 and eight or whatever it was to start the season, uh, all coming back to <laughs> earth now. But he needs to bring in his own guys and he has to be given time. And they were all calling for the playoffs. <laughs> I know. Lakers fans. Aren't, aren't you a Lakers fan, right? Yes. Well, I would, call, I would say that very <laughs> loosely because I, I, don't know what, I don't know about you, but, and it's kind of sad, but since I've been in this business three or four years now, I've kind of fallen away from any team that I supported. Just yeah, be- me too, man. It's sad. It's, by, it's with getting older, I think. <laughs> you start to lose it a little bit. I turned from a diehard fan in a, that's how David Jacoby said it, says it, a die-easy Bulls fan. <laughs> but you that's- are, Bulls, the Bulls aren't doing too well right now. That might help. I don't like the team. I, 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 I hope they don't succeed. That says enough about what kind of fan I am. Wow. I hope they don't succeed. With the team they have right now, come on, they don't deserve anything. They, it's a ter- I love Jimmy Butler. I loved Dwayne Wade. I still love him uh, as a person, uh, how, we, um, how he is, how, how, he, how he gets along uh, with his teammates, with how he is. But his game right now, 
it doesn't suit the Chicago Bulls. It doesn't suit the NBA, according to me. I like his style, but nah, it's, it's nothing for us, nothing for the team. And with this team, you shouldn't be allowed to win. They're not. They do exactly what I expected before the season uh, began uh, and what everybody should have been expecting. What, what did you think when you get Rondo, Wade, and Butler in the same team? And then Robin Lopez and Taj Gibson, yeah, come on. Pat Riley saw it coming with Wade, right? Uh, what, I never spoke to you about this. The mm-hmm. Butler and Wade comments in the locker room and then the Rondo Instagram post. Uh, what, go on, just give me your thoughts on that because Rondo, I think Rondo, <laughs> if you can say it, was more right than Wade and Butler were to do what they did. Yeah, I got a couple of thoughts on it. First, Rondo was right um, about what he said because... Um, the veterans, you can, ha- you can critique your teammates. You have to do that as a veteran. You have to do that as a teammate because it's healthy to get some conflict in a team. It's what Kobe always said, what Michael Jordan uh, also always said. You need some conflict to become a good team. Um, but if you talk to the media, don't do it in the locker room where your teammates can hear it. You're just throwing them under a bus right in front of them, but not in their, fa- not in their face. You're telling it to other people when everybody can hear it. That I think that's, that's really hypocrite. But at the same time, you see Rajon Rondo, and he tweets it out, or he puts it on Instagram, right, uh, with a picture of himself, um, Paul Pierce, and Kevin Garnett, so he forgets Ray Allen, really, uh, really <laughs> mature. Yeah, the same thing like, as Westbrook would, have, would do, probably. But you don't like them talking to the media. Instagram is social media. It's media, too. So why do you critique somebody when you're, in the end, doing the same thing? That's what bothers me about Rondo. He was right, but don't, do, don't, put, it, don't put it on Instagram. Say it in their faces. Here's my problem with the Bulls, right? So Garth Foreman, Reinsdorf, no idea how to build a roster in the current NBA. Jimmy Butler and Dwayne Wade, the fact that they both made comments on the same night at the same time after the same game, do you not think there was a little bit of, hey, tonight's the night? This is when we do it. This is what we say. And also, if you're a reporter in that locker room and they say those things, the next question you should ask is, who are you talking about? Of course. They're, they're not going to name anybody, of course, but you have to ask that. But yeah, the NBA reporters in the United States, you got some good ones, but I've seen a lot of beat writers ask questions uh, that make me cringe. So <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Indeed. Um, are you looking forward to All-Star? A little bit. I, I lost my love for the All-Star game a couple of years ago, actually. They, they're ruining it. Uh, I, the All-Star game of 1992, the Magic Johnson All-Star game in Orlando, was my first NBA game ever, the first game I've ever seen. So the All-Star game has a special place in my heart because of that. But you have to admit, the last three games were absolutely rubbish. Well, Adam Silver has... No NFL to compete with, no college football, and he gives the guys a week off, essentially. The league has a week off when there's mm-hmm. nothing really on the sporting calendar in the US. So that's a big missed opportunity, and I think we'd rather see games than the All-Star game. I actually think the celebrity game is more of a draw right now, and the, the dunk contest, the three-point contest, I think those things still have the power yeah. to bring list- viewers in, but the game is... It's pretty bad. Although I would say that the the storyline with Durant and Westbrook that's gonna that's gonna keep me interested. That's gonna be special. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that too. Uh, but that's that's actually the only thing. And and to see Giannis in his first uh, All Star game too. I think he's gonna show 
of some uh, some crazy things. But like you said, um, the rest of the weekend has become more important the last two, three years uh, because of what's happening in the games. There's been no defense at all, but not even one second. Um, that was different in the old days, but in the old days, I mean, four to five years ago, they played some defense that, that went, that went away. And I think they should, should put some, some meaning on the games. Like, like in baseball, the winner of the All-Star game, uh, that conference gets the home court advantage in the world series. Yeah. I don't like that though, because right now the no, West, the West is so far. much, do- so too dominant. The, the Cavs, if they got the one seed now would be pretty unfair. Yeah. But the Cavs won't get the one seed. So actually that, that would be just a, yeah, nah, I don't know. They should do something. Yeah, to make it a bit more competitive, maybe. But the the All-Star game in, in Major League Baseball isn't played by its players is, as if they were you know, going for the World Series home advantage. It's still, it's still a bit of fun. I, I don't think, you know, at the end of the day, it's one in 30 teams that's going to make it. And I don't think they, from each conference, I say one in 15, but they don't think they're playing for the World Series home advantage. I don't think that's go, that goes through their heads. And I think they should actually go back to the way it used to be. Uh, there has to be there has to be certain rule cha- rule changes maybe within the gameplay. Like what? Hmm, good question. I'm glad I said that now. <laughs> maybe, maybe add a four point play. If you score from behind the half court, it's four points. I want to see Steph Curry pull up from halfway. Or five points if you score a three pointer with your left hand, with your off hand. <laughs> there you go. Maybe get the coaches <laughs> cool to play. Too. I, I used hey. to. I used to like it when Shaq brought the ball up. <laughs> oh, I did that so much. So <laughs> that was so funny. And when he uh, passed the ball between uh, Dwight Howard legs uh, with the give and go, who was it with? Amazing. I, I can't remember who it was with. Before we give our rogue alternative all-star lineups, we've picked five from each conference that haven't made the all-star team this year. Um, just quickly on the Sixers. Now, Joel Embiid, Meek Mill concert, dancing on the mm-hmm. stage. <laughs> hasn't played for a while. He's got the knee issue. And you, you're hearing reports from the Calangelo's, differing reports. It's not a serious injury. It's just a complicated injury. And the Sixers yeah, are still winning some games. Uh, at the start of the season, the process was all in full flow. Everyone was loving Embiid. I had this sneaky suspicion, as I'm sure a lot of people did, that at some point he would have another injury and he would break down again. We haven't seen him for a while. So two mm-hmm. questions for you. Is he going to play a solid NBA career, in your opinion? And also, just off that, where do you think Okafor will be? Because it's uh, looking likely he'll be traded. Um, first, Embiid. Um, I, I'm actually a little scared too uh, for his future. Uh, especially when you see him run. I don't like the way he runs. Um, that's something I always look at uh, when I watch big guys play. Um, watch the way they run the floor. Because I've learned that has an impact uh, on a big guy, and it says something about the longevity of their careers. Look at Greg Oden. If you rewatch some some old Ohio State tapes and you watch him run, you already see there's something wrong with the way it goes. And I see the same thing too with with um, with Embiid. Not in 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 an extent like like, like Greg Oden had, but he doesn't always seem to have control over his legs. You know what I mean? Absolutely, he runs like a duck. Yeah, yeah, and, and he's just out of control sometimes. So. Of course, he's going to get injured again. I've been afraid he might break his leg. How he's been banging into people and jumping on his teammates when they score. 
you just got to chill a little bit. I don't like um, how the fans got so far into it. I know they're excited. They haven't won in a long time. And yes, they deserve to be exactly how they behaved. But still, just don't jinx the thing, okay? Don't talk about the future with Simmons coming back and Embiid there. Something was always going to happen, I think. And, and another lottery pick, two lottery picks maybe, if the Lakers lose their one. So that can also happen. But we've got to be honest. If we ignore the running and the out-of-controlness, what he has shown as a player is really promising. Uh, sometimes he doesn't know what he's doing. A lot of times he doesn't know what he's doing. You can see <laughs> that in his eyes. But when he has the ball, he's got the footwork, the soft touch. He's got some really nice post moves, some skills. And he even has a three-point shot. So if he remains healthy, I think he has all the capacities to, uh, to become a really good big man. Just the style and the swagger. What about, um, what about Okafor? Would you trade him or Noel? Both. I would trade both. Uh, I don't like both players, actually. Um, I don't... No, okay, that, that's, that's exaggerated. Uh, I don't like them to build on. They're one-dimensional players. You've got Okafor, who can score. He's got a great touch inside, big hands, good moves inside. But in the defensive end, you can't count on him. He's, he's a really bad defender. Not good, but bad. And then you've got Noel, who is a good defender, um, who knows how to move his feet. He's, he's really small. He's a tall guy, but he's, he's not big enough to, to guard the, the stronger four or five players. But he's got great timing. He's got a good feet. But in offense... You can't count on it. Um, he's actually he's got the, the same skill set as DeAndre Jordan, but he doesn't have the vertical leap. There so, you go. would you want those both players on your team? Knowing what, on? knowing no. what you know about Embiid, though, would you who who would you mm. more likely who would you want to keep? Because Okafor has been the one talked about moving to New Orleans and and the like. Yeah, I just want to move Okafor because of his body language. He doesn't want to be in Philadelphia. You see that. Mm. And Noel wants to play for the Sixers. He wants to have a good career there. Um, he plays. He goes all out for the team. He's invested uh, when he's on the floor. And Okafor doesn't care. That's what, what, what comes across to me when I see uh, Jaleel Okafor play. The moment that everyone has been waiting for then. The all-star lineups. <laughs> I'm gonna... This was so hard, Max. so hard. <laughs> the Eastern Conference, we'll start there, was the hardest. Um, <laughs> So if we do this step-by-step, step, so if you could give me your uh, two starting guards for the East. All right, my starting guards. Um, I was doubting about Dion Waiters because of Waiters Island the last weeks, but my dislike of the player uh, <laughs> Waiters um, has won. So I'm going for another Miami Heat player. I, I've chosen Goran Dragic um, and Bradley Beal. Oh, great minds think alike. <laughs> For real? All right. I have gone Dragic and Beal. Waiters didn't even cross my mind, I must say. <laughs> just, just because you don't like him, right? He's just a cannon. He just fires. He just, <laughs> there's, not, there's not much to him. And it's actually very hard for me to fathom that he's only 25. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So, uh, but he, he asks for the ball too much, man. Yeah, Remember he, the days in OKC and in Cleveland... We've, when you're on a team with either Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook or Kyrie Irving and LeBron James, don't ask for the ball. They give it to you when you're open. He's making up for lost time. Dragic, <laughs> just quickly on him, such an improved player. His jump shot, he's, he's got that extra flick on his shot. He's improved his off-the-dribble game. And when you watch Miami, everyone, 
No, no one holds the ball for more than two seconds. Everyone's slashing, everyone's cutting, everyone's driving to the basket. And they're just, Eric Spolstra has finally figured this out. He's gone on and on and on about tactics and how we want to play as a team. And for a team under 500 to win 12 in a row, I know the streak's over now, the third highest streak in their franchise history, the highest streak by a team under 500. He's, he is such a good coach to get this team inspired and to finally play this way. And for all that Pat Riley has said about tanking and we might have to go the other way, the Heat just want to win games and I enjoy it. Let's not talk about them being stuck in no man's land. We can enjoy this as fans. Totally agree, totally agree. And also Dragic is appearing more to be the Dragic he was when he won the most improved player award for Phoenix. He's back to his old ways and I like to see that. What about the front court then in the East? I had a lot of big guys here that um, could have been on the team. Um, so I've, I've picked three, three young guys. One is injured right now. Uh, I've picked Jabari Parker, to be on it, um, because I love what he was doing before he got injured. 20 points per game, six rebounds a game, 49% from the field. Mm. Um, and then I got um, yeah, two other young guys. Um, one, Joel Embiid. I thought he had to be uh, an all-star for his impact on what he did. I know you said don't exaggerate about Embiid, <laughs> but his numbers in those limited minutes and the impact he's had on Philadelphia, if you, watch, if you look at the numbers, Philadelphia was plus, what was it, 130 when, when he was playing and minus 300-something when Embiid wasn't on the, on the floor. So Embiid also for me. And finally, Christoph Sporzingis. Okay, so I have Drake, Jay Crowder, first front court mm-hmm. player. Kristaps Porzingis, so same as you. And third one, I think he's had a very good year and no one's talked about it because he's with the team that he's with. That is Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard, yeah. <laughs> I like, <laughs> great reaction there. I, 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 like his, I like his year and the games he's played. Obviously, Embiid has had more of an impact on our screens and on our eyeballs and everything. And I'll ask you this. I'll ask you, ask you this. Um, if you have to choose for that all-star spot, do you really choose Dwight Howard over Al Horford? Ooh. I don't. I think Al Horford, Isaiah Thomas, pick and roll is one of the best in the league now. Uh, he's yeah, shooting three as well. Player, right? But is he worth that money? I think Howard's still giving you 15 and 12. He's a solid player. The Hawks are winning. I, I don't know. Haw- Horford's a very good player. But I, I think w- on, the, on, the, on the total year, Horford's been out with the concussion. He's had the injuries. I would still go with Howard. Yeah, I think Horford's, imp- Horford's impact in the locker room is also far much better than, than Howard's. I think at team atmosphere, that's also important when I think about stuff like that. And I think Howard isn't... I, I wouldn't want to play with Dwight Howard in my team. Let's make this clear. If I was Danny Ainge, I would certainly have Horford over Howard. As a <laughs> stat man, all-star game, I would, I would take Howard over, over Horford this, for this half the season we've seen. Um, okay, fair enough, fair enough. I what about that. the West then? Um, hey, that, that one was hard too, man. Um, <laughs> so the backcourt first. I chose Chris Paul. I know he's injured, but it's a, it's a disgrace he didn't get selected in the first place uh, by the coaches. He just got injured when they selected their players, so Chris Paul had to be in there. He's had a great year. Again, Agreed. We, it's, like, it's, like, it's like with LeBron. We think it's normal when Chris Paul has a great season. Um, Best passing point guard in the league. Of course, by far, by far. Um, and my second guard is Eric Gordon. 
Nice. I like that pick. Six man, six man of the year, and I think he's having a stellar year, a stellar season. Um, he's the best, uh, the best three point shooter in the NBA, not by percentage, but but he's scoring more threes than, than Stephen Curry already, um, and he's shooting them with consistency. And he looks like the player we saw at Indiana before he went to the NBA. Yeah, he was awesome in college, and and, and that the Rockets just jacking up what seventy, eighty threes a game, and and on some nights ridiculous. it's crazy. Yeah, ridiculous. I so have, your backup, man. Yes, I have gone with at point guard Mike Conley, and you know what else can you say? He, he's not he's he's paid handsomely, very good player. Fisdale's got the team shooting threes. Marcus Sol's been pinging them, and Conley just kept the engine running, and I. I think he deserves a lot of credit for dealing with the fact that Parsons has been out. You've had young guys come into that team, playing off the bench. Randolph's had to go to the bench. He's adjusted to a new role. Vince Carter's still playing, and Conley is the head of that engine, and I think he's been really good this season. And second second guard is another point guard, but I'm going to do it anyway. George Hill, the Jazz. Ooh, nice one. Yeah, of course. I really like his game. I, I, really hope, I hope he stays in Utah because... This team has got potential with Gobert and with Hayward. You've got a big three there with a lot of potential. And for me, George Hill, speed, good shooter, mm-hmm. just runs, just runs, just runs that team very nicely. And and the Utah Jazz are, I think they're going to do some damage in the playoffs. Me too, me too. I think uh, I think that's a great team. Um, I actually have to say something. Um, I want to put Eric Gordon in my front court. <laughs> okay, that makes <laughs> because sense. because we've got another backcourt player. Who I I have to I have to admit, and that's Eric Bledsoe. Okay, I like that pick. Uh, I know I know Phoenix sucks. I know it isn't that good of a team, but they got some some young talent with Devin Booker. I love his game. A fantastic player, um, also very young. But Bledsoe is the is the leader of that team, and he's putting together some great stats. And if you watch them play, the eye test confirms that he's having a good season. And that's always the most important thing for me. Yes, you can have the numbers, but if the eye test doesn't agree, then that says it all. So I put um, Bledsoe in my backcourt for uh, the Rogue All-Stars. Okay, and the final two front courts. So you've got Eric Gordon. Yeah, and Harrison Barnes from Dallas. Yep. Um, after that horrific NBA Finals, um, his confidence must have been shattered, but he's having the best season of his career, statistically, and he has become the go-to guy for the Mavericks from day one. And he's made the switch without any effort at all. And then um, my big guy is Nikola Jokic, of course. Beast. I have also got Barnes and Jokic. And my third front court player is Mr. Andrew Wiggins. Ooh, um, okay. Which is it's still surprising me. We could have picked Wiggins. We could have picked Carl Anthony Towns. That These guys aren't all-stars yet. But Jokic... Is just a freak. He plays water polo when he passes the ball from the baseline. He takes. He's the best. He's got the best hands in the league as a centre. I think you can put the ball anywhere and he'll take it down with one hand and finish. He can pass. He can rebound. He can score. I don't know how Denver figured out for so long that, that their guy wasn't Jokic. It was Nurkic. They, it took them a while to realise it was the other way around. Yeah, of course. Um, he reminds me a lot of Arvida Sabonis. Um, I know. I don't know if you ever seen him play um, because you're, you're, you're a little bit younger than I. I know the Thunder um, Sabonis. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> no, his father was one of the best centers ever. Actually, it was. I think he was the first 
modern NBA center that we see now. We had a three-point shot. He was a great passer, always with, with one hand. He used to, used to um, grab the ball with his, his one hand and then make fakes with that one hand, like Michael Jordan also used to do in, at, the, at the perimeter, but he did it in the post. Um, and Jokic has that too. He's got that one hand where he fakes it with and he drops it off over the players. Um, he's got a nice inside moves, a nice touch. Um, so I see a lot of Arvidas back in, uh, in Jokic and that. Yeah, I, I like that. He's one of the best centers ever. So if you uh, remind somebody of, of, of uh, such a legend, um, yeah, that's a good sign. Yeah, and picking him below Nurkic as well, they fall into a nice thing there. He brings the ball up the court, he tries things, he still turns the ball over a little bit because he's trying to experiment on the court, but I like mm. that. Um, Dennis, I think you've justified the NBA head case description at the start of the show. I hope that the <laughs> listeners have enjoyed your very good knowledge of the game and your passion, and they've found out that you've got Jabari Parker poster. I took all my posters down when I was about 18 because I realised if I'm going to bring girls home, they cannot see any of these Kobe Bryant posters. So I'm happy For to real? see you've still, you've still got it going. I, I, that, that's the first deal I've uh, made with my girlfriend when we moved in together. I said, <laughs> um, that's one, real, uh, one rule. I have to have a Michael Jordan poster in my living room okay. at all times. So now it, it's been the, the 1998, uh, 1988 dunk uh, contest, free throw dunk for a while, and now it's been the shot against Georgetown in 1982. For North Carolina, the one it all started with, that's so uh, hanging in my living room. They're not over the bed then? No, 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 no. Not in the bedroom. <laughs> the bedroom, <laughs> no basketball over there. Oh, no. It's sacred. It's a sacred place. Hey, Dennis, thank you for coming on, and we will certainly do this again. Hey, thanks for having me, man. And I hope your audience knows uh, that you're a, a great reporter and you're uh, doing a great job with your podcast and your thesis, man. Uh, keep, it, uh, keep it on. Thank you very much. Give yourself a plug. Tell my listeners before you go uh, what you're doing, the X and O's pod, and where they can find your, your work. Yeah, like I said, I've got a basketball podcast, uh, X and O's, it's called. Um, not X's and O's, but X, because my last name is Sayed. It starts with an X. Uh, that makes a little bit more sense. Well, we talk about basketball, uh, sometimes in English, but most of the times in Dutch. So if you're not Dutch speaking, then it's a little bit difficult <laughs> for you to listen. But um, I'm counting on you to become one of my regulars. So um, we will be talking in English on uh, the XNOS podcast uh, some more. They do not want to hear me anymore. But vice versa, though. <laughs> you, you will be coming back for sure. Uh, thank you very much. And we will speak again soon. Love to, man. Thanks for having me. That was fun. The NBA really gets fun in mid-February as we approach All-Star Weekend and the trade deadline, of course. A man who isn't likely to be involved in either of those, Al Jefferson. Segway. The Pacers were in London in January, and I caught up with the burly veteran to ask him a few questions on his career and whether his memory was still up to the task of remembering all those fine moments. What's higher, the number you were drafted or your career three-point makes? <sighs> Probably the number I was drafted. <laughs> I guess I ain't made. I know I ain't made over 15 threes. Eight threes. So you're yeah, right there. Right. Okay. What did Boston do for the first time when they drafted you? Uh, drafted. Uh, I think I was the first guy they drafted out of high school. Two out of two. So in 2010, you set the then single game Timberwolves record for rebounds. How many was it? Uh, 26. Three out of three. <laughs> How many three throws have you made this season? That's a bit harder. Yeah, I don't know, man. You've shot 55. I shot 55, probably made 30. 41. 
Under, you're underselling yourself. Oh, shit. How many double-doubles did you record your first season with Utah? My first season with Utah? Oh, my God. I don't know. Uh, what, 30? 30? 30 plus? Yep, 37. 37? How many times have you played 82 games? Twice. Bang. Last two. Your career high in points is what and against who? I had it three times. Uh, New Jersey, Charlotte, Minnesota, and Lakers. And you remember the total? Huh? Do you remember how many you scored? You said career 40. So what's higher then, your career high or total playoff appearances for the Pacers franchise? Total what? Appearances? Playoff appearances for the franchise. <laughs> yeah, the career. Right. You know how many you've made? It's the postseason? How many postseasons I made? Yeah, the Pacers. Oh, you saying the Pacers? I thought you were talking about me with the Pacers. Oh, Pacers? Oh, they probably made it hundreds of times. I don't know. 23. Wait, Michael 23. Jordan. Yeah. Really? What was the most surprising one in there for you? One of the questions, because you nailed the first three. What was the most surprising one? What about 41 makes in, on the three throw line this season? Yeah, that was pretty impressive. I thought it was lower than that. News of the day, Al Jefferson knows Al Jefferson very, very well. Who would have thought it? That's about it for today's podcast. Thank you for listening. And not long now until we get right into baseball season. I am excited. The birds will be tweeting. The sun will be shining. If you're outside the UK, of course. I'm looking forward to another year with the Dodgers. My team fall just short because they fail to foresee the need for four quality starters in the postseason. Get on with your work, Dave Roberts. You can get in touch with me on Twitter at Max underscore Whittle. Thanks to my guest today, Dennis Syatt of the XNOs podcast and Al Jefferson of the Indiana Pacers. Please subscribe to the US Sports Podcast on iTunes where you can leave a lovely review if you so wish and follow the channel on its official page on the Audio Boom website and app. Thanks for listening. Until next time, enjoy the games.